We're all searching for it, or people. The ones you can call when you're at the end of your rope. The ones you ask for advice in a difficult stage or deciding on which jeans to buy. The ones who you share dreams and hopes with, who get you to the gym, and love your kids like their own. Motherhood was never meant to be a solitary role, and now it doesn't need to be. Here we discuss everything from our favorite kidisms, to mental wellness, to our best mom hacks and more. Mamas are world changers, and it's time to stop bearing that responsibility alone. So whether you're driving carpool, rocking a sleeping baby, or doing dishes, we're here for you. Welcome to the village. Hello, welcome back to the Village Podcast. I'm Missy Allred, I'm your host, and I'm so glad you're here. This is episode eight, and we are going to be talking about our eight senses. And you're probably like, we have five. (laughs) We actually have more than that, and you could argue there's even more than eight, but we're gonna talk about eight today. And why we get overstimulated, and where we get the most overstimulated, and what the heck to do about it. So, our brain takes in about 11 million bits of information every second. And we've talked about this in a past episode. I don't remember which one it was, but we've talked about this a little bit where our brain is taking in so much information 11 million bits. And you're probably like, that is crazy. Is it actually taking in that much? Yes, I want you for a second to just close your eyes and listen for any sound. You're hearing me. You might be hearing some feedback in the microphone. You might be hearing kids in the background or your heater running or maybe a dishwasher or a washer and dryer or maybe some noise from outside. Maybe you hear in the background a train or if you have an animal or maybe birds outside, you're probably hearing a lot of things if you really take the time to listen. Now I want you to keep your eyes closed and feel. I want you to notice the shirt on your shoulders and on your back. I want you to notice what your knees feel like in your pants. I want you to notice your feet, if it's touching carpet or in your socks or shoes or whatever your feet are touching. I want you to notice the way your hair is sitting across your face or maybe your shoulders, if it's touching your arm anywhere. There's a lot we can feel. Now I want you to open your eyes and look around for a minute and not just notice all of the things around you, but the details. I am looking around my bedroom right now and I see not just my curtains, but the folds of the curtains and the different texture in them and the colors as the light and shadows hit them. I see not just my desk, but everything on my desk and the slight wood grain to it and small letters on some pads of paper I can see on my desk and I see a candle that has some detail to it. 
I can look over and see a bunch of stuff sitting on my dresser right now and all of the things on top of it. I have a jewelry stand on top of my dresser and each piece of jewelry, you get the picture, right? <laughs> this is just really basic pieces of information that are constantly going inside of our head. 11 million bits. But our brain cannot process 11 million bits, nor do we want it to. Because it doesn't really matter that there's a candle sitting on my desk or that my hair is touching my ear and the side of my neck and my knees are fine. I don't need to pay attention to what the fabric of my pants feels like on my knees. It doesn't matter, right? So our brain has a place in it called the reticular activating system. And what it is, is the filter for our brain. And so it decides this is important enough to, to move through and actually mentally, consciously process and say, okay, we need this information. Let's do something with it. Or it says, this isn't important. We're not even going to let it through. And it just discards it. So I've given this example before as well, but when you get a new car and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere you go and you're like, nobody had this car, but actually they did. But all of a sudden that make and model and color is important. And so your brain says, okay, this is important enough. We are going to let this piece of information through and now we process it. Okay, so we have all of this information coming in. We tell our brain what is and isn't important, and it can only actually process 40 to 50 bits of that 11 million that is coming in per second. That's all our brain can handle. Thank goodness. Because <laughs> can you imagine trying to process 11 million bits of information? Doesn't that sound so overwhelming, so overstimulating? So people who have processing disorders, their problem is that their brain doesn't do quite as good of a job at filtering out the important things. And so it lets too many pieces of information through and it overwhelms their brain and therefore their bodies. Okay, so I know that was like a really long intro. But I wanted to do that so that we can now go through the senses and you can start to understand, Kate, okay, this is why it's so important. What, like how, how our senses interact with our brains and our bodies. So eight senses means that there's eight ways to be overstimulated, but that also means that there's eight different channels you can use to regulate, to come back to calm, to stop being overstimulated and overwhelmed, okay? So we obviously have our, our five basic ones that we all know. So sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. And if you listen a couple episodes back, we talked about sensory seekers and sensory avoiders, specifically with kids, but the same applies for adults. So start to notice where you get overstimulated and where you might seek more of that stimulation within those senses. So for example, I know that sight, I am very sensitive to sight stimulation 
at least in my home, I get very overwhelmed with clutter around my home. Like I said before, there's a bunch of stuff sitting on my dresser and it has been driving me crazy, but it's not my stuff. <laughs> and I don't know where to put it. And so it's just been sitting there and it truly drives me crazy. Earlier tonight, I was becoming very angry and impatient and it was because my house was a disaster. There was just stuff everywhere, like just things that had accumulated throughout the day. I didn't do the dishes yesterday and so things had piled in the sink and between meals and having a baby who's starting solids means there was food all over the floor in the dining room and I that wasn't just a visual visual clutter on the ground but I could feel it everywhere I stepped and I was just going crazy I was going crazy so I know for me that that visual stimuli becomes very overwhelming and so for me a priority is to make sure that I reset my house every night and I know some people love that and some people think that that's just one more thing to add and that's totally okay if you felt either way but I do it because I know how overstimulated I get because of visual stimuli. I also know that I am pretty sensitive to sound stimuli where if there are too many things going on at once, too many conversations trying to be had, or kids just making noise while I'm trying to listen to something, and chaos is just, it's auditory chaos, I get very overstimulated. But as I was preparing for this episode, one thing I was noticing though is I choose whether I'm overstimulated because sometimes I love to turn the music up so loud and I just want to hear my thing. But if if it's the kids being loud, that overstimulates me. So some of it comes back to our mindset of what we choose to be overwhelmed by or what we choose to not like. But I also think some of it is just the amount of things that our brain has deemed important because if I'm trying to listen to a podcast or a song or a book or whatever I'm trying to do or even just my own thoughts and my kids are doing something in the background and obviously my kids are a high priority and so I'm kind of tuned into what they're doing even while I'm doing my own thing. And then something else is going on and someone's trying to have a conversation with me too. That's so many things at once and it is overstimulating. So just be aware of what you are choosing to think about with these different stimuli, but also some of it is just, it's too much at once for our brain to handle and that's okay too. So with our five senses, our basic five senses, What are you seeking? What are you avoiding? Now, moving on to the other three that are a little bit less known. This is, I think, where you're going to see more of that sensory seeking. Not just for you, but also for your kids. So the first one is your vestibular sense. And this is 
our balance and orientation in space. So being aware of your surroundings and how you fit in with that. So some examples of ways to activate that vestibular sense to try and regulate through that sense is riding a bike, going down a slide, swinging or rocking, whether that's on a chair, on your back, on your hands and knees, jumping on a tramp, swimming, running, gentle stretching, especially your neck and back, doing yoga, inverting your head, whether that's hanging upside down on a swing set or being in downward dog or anything kind of along those lines, hanging off the edge of a bed, inverting your head, and then marching in a straight line. So if you notice these kind of activities, you feel more regulated after, or if you notice your kids doing these things like you, if you have a child who likes to be upside down all the time, they are trying to seek that vestibular input. And if you have kids that have a hard time balancing or like I said, orienting themselves in space. So being aware of their surroundings and how much room they have as they walk past something, doing some of these activities is going to help activate that sense and be a little bit more in tune with their bodies and how it interacts with the world around them. So vestibular input, that is our first less known sense. Our second one is proprioceptive, and this is movement. This also has something to do with determining our position in space, but it also is your sense of effort and force or heaviness in regards to other objects. This is your control of your limbs and your body in general. So this is really where you're going to see those sensory seekers. So sensory seekers are going to fall down on purpose. They're going to seek out jumping, hopping, crashing, and often bumping into other things and other people. These sensory seekers have difficulty with graded force, so not knowing their own strength when putting force behind an object. So if they are trying to move someone out of the way and they shove them out of the way or they try to move an object on a table and end up pushing it way off to the side and it crashes on the floor. Sensory seekers often have an unusual high pain threshold. They touch people and objects often. They have a decreased sense of personal space so they may stand too close to you when trying to talk and they may seek out or make loud noises. Hello, most children, (laughs) or at least mine. And they might chew on their sleeves or other non-food items. And oh my goodness, I (laughs) was getting on one of my kids the last couple of days for chewing on his clothes. And I had forgotten that this was actually a sign of sensory seekers and that he probably needs a little more sensory input in this one. So kids who are chewing on clothes and toys and stuff, they 
need more sensory input in general with their body, but specifically through their mouth. This was actually one of the coolest things I learned when I first started learning about these eight senses, and especially this one, is that kids who are chewing on things constantly need this this stimulation through their mouth. And so that might look like chewing on crunchy foods. So give them pretzels, give them ice to chew on, have them drink through a straw, specifically with thicker liquids like a smoothie. And that makes a huge difference in that input to their mouth. I don't know why they they need that exactly, but some kids are a little bit more sensitive to that. They, they seek that out a little bit more. So there's a few things you can do if you have those kids who are constantly chewing on something give them a little bit more stimulation that way so for other kids who are seeking that vestibular input i'm sorry proprioceptive input through the crashing or standing too close or any of those other things we talked about some things you can do with them is have them jump or stomp or run have them do animal walks or army crawls have them kick or throw and catch a ball, especially with a little bit more weight to it. If you give them a lightweight exercise ball, that might be really helpful. Bouncing on an exercise ball, pulling, pushing, or carrying heavy items, like moving chairs around the house. If my my kids often have my dining room chairs moved all sorts of different places and my immediate response is to be like, put the chairs back. That's not where they go. But if I can remember this, that they are getting that proprioceptive input in, they need that movement to regulate themselves. So they might just think it's a game and for them it is, but it's also their body telling them to move. And this is how they need to do it. This is how their body wants to move to come back to a more calm, regulated place. Other things they can do is move books, pull something on a blanket or pushing and pulling a box with stuff in it, whether that's toys or books or a sibling. This could be a laundry basket too that they can push and pull around. Uh, Kids who hang from monkey bars or from their bed, (laughs) those are things they can do. Pulling apart resistance toys like Legos or stretchy toys climbing whether that's ropes or ladder ladders or cargo nets or rock walls or their bunk beds <laughs> um and then deep pressure activities so this might be massage or tight hugs wrap them in a blanket using weighted blankets squeezing them between a pillow or couch cushion having them lay down and just applying gentle pressure can calm that proprioceptive sense my biggest suggestion here because I know that was a lot of different activities a lot of different things to look for with your proprioceptive seeking kids is to watch what they're already doing and let them do it in a way that works for both of you if you see them crashing into things often find a way that works for you to do that whether that's all right, we, let's go crash into this pile of pillows. Let's jump down the stairs into a pile of pillows. Make it work for you. 
if they're trying to carry things around all the time, all right, I would love your help bringing this laundry basket into this room, right? Do it in a way that's going to work for you and them, but they're probably already trying to regulate themselves without even knowing it. The other suggestion I would give here is have them do an activity every couple hours or before the craziest times of day. So whether that's bedtime or witching hour or before they go to school or whatever, whatever your hard times are during the day, have them do an activity before you're getting to that crazy part so that they are able to regulate a little bit better. And probably you're finding if you have some of these kids that winter is particularly hard because it's a lot easier to naturally get this proprioceptive input outside when they're constantly playing outside and can naturally climb and jump and crash and run and all these things. I know winter is super hard. So I'm going to put a plug in really fast. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, my indoor activities guide is still available for only $7. If you're listening after that, the price has gone up. It's still only $14, but it's specifically designed for these sensory seeking kids who need movement, but can't be outside or it's just harder to be outside. You don't spend as much time. It's all indoor activities designed for them to get that movement in so they can come back to calm. The link for that is in the show notes and it seriously is just chocked full, chocked full of activities, all things that you can do around your house. It doesn't use anything other than things you probably already have at your house and it has been so awesome for our family and for the families who've bought it to have a place to just go when you're like, okay, kids are going crazy. I have no idea what to do. You don't have to go scour the internet and find something that works for your kids. It's all in one place. So I highly recommend checking that out. One of the best ways I would use that guide and any of these other activities is before you start your regular bedtime routine, take a few minutes to do one of these proprioceptive activities because these kids who are sensory seekers are going to need that movement to come back to calm. And so your very awesome calming bedtime routine is actually going to rile them up more. So if you can start with the movement and then move into the calming, they will actually be a lot more calm and go to bed much easier. So try that out and let me know how it goes. All right, last sense is our interoceptive sense. And this is internal, our internal sense. It helps us identify what is going on in our bodies, both physically and on an emotional level. So this is our body letting us know, I'm hungry, I need to go to the bathroom. Our temperature, like, oh, I'm, I'm really warm because I'm moving so much or because I'm outside and I need to cool down. I'm freezing, I need to warm up. This lets us know when we're tired, when we're in pain, when we feel sick and what kind of sick we feel, or if something specifically hurts, I have a stomach ache, or my feet are sore, 
And then it also helps us identify what emotion we're actually feeling and where. So I talked about this in last week's episode where we have to actually feel our feelings and let that emotion move through our body. So emotions are just vibrations in our body. And so it's not just something in our head. It's something that is actually in our body and we have to fully feel it and let it move through it. Let the vibration go. And I know that sounds really woo-woo, but that's like scientifically what's going on in your body too. But most of us were not taught how to do that. We're, We're taught very basic emotions, but we're not really taught what to do with them. And so we need to take the time to teach ourselves and then teach our kids. This is the emotion I'm experiencing and this is where I feel it in my body and this is how it feels and I am going to sit here with it even if it is really uncomfortable, even if it's maybe painful and I'm just going to let it move through my body and then you let it go because these vibrations, these emotions only last for about 90 seconds in our body at a time and then they don't come back until something else happens. Instead of constantly feeling little bits of it throughout our day, we can sit there and let it go. So to be more in tune to help this interoceptive sense, we need to be aware of the other senses because it will help us identify and rectify what's going on in our bodies. We need to name the emotions and feel through them like we just talked about. Yoga is a really good way to do this because it is both a physical and emotional awareness of your body. Using those activities from the vestibular and proprioceptive senses to start being aware of your body, helping your kids do the same. And then calming activities that take away that stimuli so that you can actually focus on on what's going on. I think this is something that is so interesting that we are so aware of other people and what other people might be feeling and thinking. But if someone asked you how you really were, would you have a real answer? I think most of us are not very aware of our own thoughts and emotions We're not very aware of what our own body is in need of, but if you can start taking the time to slow down, right? This is why we take away some of that stimuli and be quiet. There's constant noise. And I don't just mean kids yelling in the background and something you're listening to all the time, but I think our our minds are so loud and We have people's voices in our heads of we're we're just worried about what other people think of us all the time. We have to take the time to be quiet and to listen to, okay, what am I thinking right now? What am I feeling right now? Where am I feeling this? What does my body need? Maybe that's just, I feel the need to move my body or I feel the need to eat a fruit or a vegetable (laughs) 
But just being aware of this, taking the time to actually do that is so helpful because all of a sudden, when we can start being aware of what's actually going on for us, we take care of ourselves better and our kids see that and they start to see what that looks like, not just to take care of themselves, but to be aware about what's going on in their bodies and in their minds and with their emotions. And I think that's like one of the best things we can do for ourselves and for our kids. But truthfully, it starts with us. It has to start with us because our our kids learn best through repetition and through modeling. And so if we can start with ourselves, our kids will learn so much. So I know that was a lot of information and you're like, okay, what do I even do with that? Here's where I want you to start. Start with noticing where you're a sensory avoider, the things that overwhelm you. And I want you to find one way to quiet that just a little bit. If visual clutter is something that overwhelms you, find a way to put it away a little bit, whether that is doing a nightly pickup for your house or having a basket in a closet where you can just put all of everybody else's stuff and have a place to hide it so that you don't see it and you can come back to it when you're feeling less overstimulated and you can get everything put away. Maybe that is taking five minutes to be quiet, to have less noise and block the rest of it out for a few minutes so that you can go back to whatever you're doing during your day a little more calm. So find one way to lessen the noise, whatever kind of noise it is. And then I want you to find one way that you need a little bit more sensory input. More than anything, it's probably movement or taking the time to identify and feel your emotions. This literally only needs to take two to three minutes a day. That's it. And if you're wanting a little bit more help implementing this, I'm going to be running a free challenge in just a couple weeks through my Instagram that is going to be daily, really simple activities to start implementing some of this so that you can start to regulate your nervous system so you're more aware of what's going on in your body and your mind and it's going to be seriously so awesome and you will be amazed at how much more calm and patient and loving and at ease and less overwhelmed and overstimulated overstimulated you can be in just one week so if you're not following me on instagram Go follow me over there. I'm at the Missy Allred and keep an eye out for that challenge. It's going to be in my stories and it's going to be super fun. Super fun. I'm so excited for this. This week's magic in the mundane actually happened today. So if you saw my Instagram stories, I put my kids in swimming lessons and today was their first lesson. And one of my sons has really been struggling with just thinking he can't do things. Everything is constantly, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so we have been working really hard on helping him think a little bit differently 
and thinking that he's strong and brave and can do hard things and that he keeps trying. And I heard him say at one point towards the beginning of the lesson, I can't do that. And I looked over and kind of saw this determined look come over his face and very much said like, oh, okay, I can do this. I got this. I'm going to figure this out. And it totally changed his lesson after that. He was kind of struggling and then all of a sudden he was doing so much better and it was just so cool to see that these things that we've been working on for weeks, I saw this little glimpse of it's working and he's doing it and he's thinking this for himself and we're going to keep working on it, but it was just so awesome to see that that's starting to become the thoughts that come to his mind when he's struggling that I can do this and I'm going to figure this out and I might not get it right away, but I can keep trying. Oh, so good. I think I've said this before, but I think you have those parenting moments just often enough to keep you going when you're not sure if they are even listening to anything you're saying. Anyways, thank you so much for listening today. I will talk to you next week and this next month we are going to have some really special episodes so make sure you keep listening. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode. I would love to hear your thoughts on it so message me on Instagram at the Missy Allred. There is always room in our village so if you enjoyed it will you please send it to a friend or leave a rating and review. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for being here. I'll talk to you next week.